Welcome everyone to Couch Potato Diary as we look back at UFC 298 and the new featherweight champion. My name is Peter Klein. Thank you very much for tuning in today. Uh, this is going to be a two-part episode today. So this is part one where we're going to be looking at the results, mainly the main one, from UFC 298, as well as uh, looking at the early storylines heading into the Elimination Chamber in Perth, Australia this weekend for the WWE. Um, trying to get this out before Raw. Um, uh, as always, thank you so much for tuning in. The numbers are going up on this channel, which is a great thing for, for those of you watching on YouTube. Podcast form, admittedly, we've kind of stalled out a little bit. Wondering how to change that, but... Um, one way you can help that is by subscribing and leaving a review. Uh, you guys have been liking the videos and subscribing here on YouTube. That's been awesome. Keep that up. Um, I guess you can kind of only do that once with the subscribing thing. But either way, you can follow me on social media as well. Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm at PrimetimeKline. Twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK. You can email this show, CouchPotatoDiary, at Yahoo.com. Calm. Um, all right, so like I said, we're going to be looking at the UFC 298 main event, and we're going to be looking at what's ahead in the world of the WWE. So let's get cracking with some UFC talk. UFC 298 now in the books, and there is a new featherweight champion. As Ilya Tapura, uh, Tapuria, sorry, uh, remember that name, knocks out Alex Volkanovsky in the second round in relatively convincing fashion. Um, just full disclosure, was at a party watching this, so, um, but I, you know, I was glued to it, uh, but didn't get to watch the, the rest of the card, so that's why we're saying this is a main event breakdown here this weekend, um, but, uh, for, for this weekend, sorry, Tapuria was brilliant, and this is one of the things we talked about. You can say, like, yes, the best version of Volkanovsky beats the best version that we've seen of Tapuria, but we don't know what the best version of Tapuria is, and... I think we saw the best version of Taporia come out this weekend. I thought he was setting things up really, really, really well. And one of the, a couple of things that I really liked, um, and we'll break all of this down here, but one of the things I liked initially, a lot of times you'll see with counters where it's like a three-punch combo, right? Like the jab, but then, hey, we'll follow it up like a bam, bam, you know? Um, or whatever, right? Punctuate it with a kick. He kind of just kept going. Every time he really felt like he had the advantage, it would be four, five, six punches strung together in a row and really, uh, really putting Volkanovsky on the back foot. And I, I thought that he was landing w with a lot of authority when he was landing. The first round, the, the volume wasn't quite where Volkanovsky was. And I, I did give the first round to, to Volk in, in that instance. I, I saw the, the scorecards a uh, little split. But I, I had that one for, for Volkanovski. I just thought that the volume was there. We'll get to Volk in a second. But for Taporia, I thought he was certainly landing the more impactful shots as that fight went along. And then what really, I think, started to, to significantly turn the tide in the second round, and a little bit in the first round as well, the counter punches were really there. And so it kind of had Volk thrown off a little bit. Taporia had a phenomenal sense of the distance right away. He knew what he could get away with. He knew where he had to be. He just knew how to set everything up. And it was such a, a brilliant performance by him, I thought. And it, it seemed like it had Volkanovski a little thrown off a little bit. Not not to the point where he didn't know what to do and that's what happened. Like, he was still in this fight. But it, it, it seemed like just from how Volk was carrying himself, he was expecting something maybe a little bit different from Taporia. But the, the sense of distance was great. And then those counters. Anytime Volk would, would land a jab, there's something coming over the top. Or there's a kick coming. Or something along those lines. He was countering really, really well. And so it seemed like it kind of had Volkanovski a little off a little bit. And that's where the feints started to, to really come in. And Volk's kind of biting on those as well. Um, 
I and it, it was just it was just everything was so expertly put together, and it was one of those performances where there wasn't a wasted movement from Taporia the whole time, right? Like there wasn't like a feint wasn't necessarily to get him to, to open up so that a leg kick came or something like that, but a feint was to see, okay, this is how you're reacting. I'm going to take that information in. It, it was a very cerebral performance, but the thing that really did kind of put it the beginning of the end, I suppose, was Volkanovsky, what, like, Taporia controlled the center of the octagon extremely well. And Volkanovsky was circling, of course, like he wasn't just backing straight into the wall. But when Taporia would start to come forward, Volk would start to back up a little bit. And it happened once in the first round, and then in the second round when he, he ended up closing the, the show. Once Volkanovsky got back, not all the way to the fence, but to the point where he's kind of like midway through the ads that are, are all the way around there, that's when Taporia knew, all right, I got this. And it, it was a great sense of octagon control. It was a great sense of, like we talked about before, that distance control where he knew where he needed to be to land his shots and to not really take the, the brunt of what Volkanovsky did. But then as soon as he got to that point where there was nowhere for Volk to really back up, that's when he pounced. That's when Taporia struck. And <laughs> struck he did. Um, came in with some picture-perfect punches. And then the, the one that ends up closing the show lands perfectly. This was a masterclass from Taporia on game planning, on the effectiveness of counters and feints, on the effectiveness of understanding your range and understanding where you are in the octagon and what different spots in the cage mean for you tactically and mean for you in terms of kind of utilizing that aggression. All of it, perfect. Tens, tens, tens across the board for for, for Taporia. I, I just, I was so impressed that as soon, it, it was like there was a... Uh, a, a tripwire or something, or one of those that you see in spy movies, the little laser that goes across. As soon as he crosses that laser, it's fucking go time, man. And he came in, and it wasn't just like one, two. It was one, two, three, four, five curtains. So for Taporia now, and the dangerous thing for the rest of this division, this kid is getting better. He has obviously incredible physical talents, right? Like he hits like a fucking truck for 145 pounds and he's quick and like there's all of those things but the tactical side of things he has what appears to be a brilliant understanding of what's going on in that cage and that is the type of thing that you're gonna have to do to beat Alex Volkanovsky because we've said before this might be the most well-rounded fighter we've seen in the sport or one of them and from a, a tactical standpoint he just he knows he has a different game plan for everyone, which sounds basic, but it's not. Um, and he just, he was uh, cerebral in his own mind, Volkanovsky. And look, Volk, I thought, had a pretty good fight. Like, he, I thought Volk fought well. He just lost, you know? Like, I, I thought that the jab was working for him, especially in the first round. And I, I thought his volume, mixing in some kicks, which were quite effective, I thought his volume was enough to get him the first round. But it was just that, it was that backing up too close to the cage. It was the backing straight up part. If he keeps circling away, then he's probably fine. Um, but it's because when Taporia was coming forward with those counters, he's backing straight up instead of thinking, where am I in the octagon? And for Taporia to get one of the smartest fighters we've had in the octagon, a little bit off his game is exceptionally done. Beautiful, beautiful stuff from uh from Taporia. It just Volk just got a little bit too close to that fence. That and that I, I think really ends up costing him. So now what's next? Well um coming up on Friday's show we're gonna do a full fights to make after UFC 298. 
the fight to make is this one, right? Like Volkanovsky, I get that he is, now this is three losses in his last four fights, but he has done enough as the featherweight champion in the Ultimate Fighting Championship that he deserves an immediate rematch. We've given immediate rematches to a lot worse. So I think um, Volkanovsky, if he wants it, has certainly earned um, th this opportunity to get right back in there. But it's so much pressure on him now because you already have two losses to the king at 155 pounds, who, by the way, doesn't look like he's going anywhere. If you now lose two to the king of the new king of 145 pounds, who, by the way, doesn't look like he's going anywhere, that's a real problem. You're kind of then stuck in no man's land, and that is nowhere where we thought Volkanovsky would be. And now the, pre the, the problem is, because Tepuria, if he continues this way, and look, it's tough, once you get that championship, now the, the hunter becomes the hunted, all those other things. But if he continues to progress in this way, Volkanovsky will be trying to play catch up to an already outdated version of Teporia. Because like, if, if, if Teporia is here and Volk has just got to here, well, Volk's going to be working to get to here while Teporia has already rocketed up even more. That's the improvements that this kid is making from a fight-in, fight-out basis. I, I, I cannot express enough how unbelievable I thought Teporia was and what he was able to accomplish on Saturday night in Anaheim. Uh, coming up this weekend, they're fighting in Mexico. Uh, a couple good ones on the top with Moreno against Royval and uh, Yair Rodriguez against Brian Ortega. So that should be a whole lot of fun coming up Saturday in Mexico. Uh, so that's the story from the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Pro Wrestling's got some stuff going on too. Let's talk about it. The WWE heads to Perth, Australia this weekend for Elimination Chamber. Here are some of the early stories that we are going to be watching for going into that one. Again, a full preview will be coming up on Friday. We'll try to get that out as soon as possible because, you know, it, the show starts at like 3 in the morning on Saturday out here. So, wanted to have a little bit of shelf life. Anyway, um... Obviously, the big story is the two chamber matches and what they're able to do with them. At this point in time, it feels predictable, right? It feels like, um, it feels like it's Drew in the the men's, and it feels like it's Becky in the women's, right? And so their job now is either completely—I don't want to say swerve, bro—but just completely something that feels out of left field, or something that feels out of left field enough that it, like, you, you buy into it in the chamber match. Like, at chamber matches, it, it's going to be incredible drama. It's such a, a phenomenal concept, all of these things. The matches are going to be great. It's just, like, can you build up that drama in that match where we are, like, believing that what we are seeing isn't necessarily the, the, the like, what, what we all believe going in isn't just the foregone conclusion. There's actually some kind of surprise or something that could be coming. So that that's the main thing for me. And the other thing is let's start to get a couple of things maybe in motion here for, for WrestleMania, not just the, the title matches because the build to the title matches has been excellent. Like the rocks promo on, on Friday with Roman Reigns. That was great. The, the whole thing with, with Cody and Roman, um, yes, it felt like they kind of dropped the ball and then pivoted into a phenomenal direction, but they have still 
pivoted into a phenomenal direction, so good for them. Um, so we're excited for that. EO against Bailey. Already, I think the build has been quite good, and I'm already excited to see that match. So, they've done a good job with what they have started so far. Now it's time to get us excited about the, the rest of the show and start to tease that a little bit. So, that is always the the fun of the uh, February pay-per-view, is to, okay, what do we... What, what, what's going on here? Um, what, what, how do we balance... What are we getting ready for for WrestleMania? While also making this on its own a worthwhile pay-per-view... Uh, for those, and obviously it's not pay-per-view anymore, a premium live event. Uh, for those who are watching at 5 in the morning on Peacock, and for those who have paid their hard-earned money to, to go watch it. So, uh, th those are kind of, I think, the important parts for WWE to hit uh, th this weekend at Elimination Chamber. Um, also, Bloodline involvement. Do we get any? Obviously, we know Cody and Seth are going to be there. Um, until recently, Rock and Roman weren't advertised. I haven't seen anything that changes that um but i busy weekends maybe i miss something but i i do think that there is a, a lot of excitement around the bloodline getting ready here for uh the elimination chamber so we'll see does the rock get involved does roman reigns get involved or is it solo and jimmy heading over there to to do something we'll, we'll see what happens with uh with all of that and then one of the other main ones does rhea ripley main event this show i i don't like, generally, I think you would end with the, the men's one, but I, I don't see why you wouldn't put Rhea Ripley against Nia Jax in the main event. Well, I do see. It's Nia Jax. Like, you would, there are certain standards for a WWE main event in 2024, and while Rhea Ripley can meet those, I think, spectacularly, I do not believe in her dance partner necessarily. So, we will see what type of, um, what type of a reaction that that whole thing gets, where Rhea fits in on the card and all of that, but it's gonna be a really, really fun show, and the, the road to WrestleMania has been a blast. I'm taping this, like, 45 minutes before Raw starts, so, um, if some of these things have been addressed on Raw... I apologize. All right, that's going to do it for part one of the show today. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Remember, if you are watching on YouTube, like this video and subscribe. If you're listening in podcast form, leave a review and subscribe there as well. Uh, follow me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm at PrimetimeKline, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK, and you can email the show, CouchPotatoDiary, at yahoo.com. Coming up on the show tomorrow... We've had a pretty seismic shift in the Ultimate Fighting Championship, so the pound-for-pound pound rankings are going to have to change. We'll get into that. going to have a raw recap and uh, anything else from the NHL story that I don't cover in part two, which is coming at you uh, wherever you are uh, consuming this. It's going to be there as well. So uh, thank you all so much, and I'll talk to all of you. Dropping stuff everywhere. Talk to all of you later. <laughs>